I think you always have to constantly evolve as a player to have that consistent success. Because I think, uh, unless like you're a freak of nature, like uh, McDavid, where he, no matter, everyone knows how good and how fast he is, but he still blows people out of the water with his speed and things like that. But players are smart and they adjust and teams adjust. So you have to constantly be able to, to work on your, your craft mentally in the sense of uh, how to do things smart and how to add more range to what you are as a player. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Cubicle Athlete. I am your host, Derek. And my guest today was the second overall pick of the 2007 NHL draft. He plays for the Philadelphia Flyers, has played 797 NHL games, scored 264 goals and 260 assists, and he is now gearing up to start his 13th season in the NHL. It was an honor to sit and chat with him. It's the one and only James Van Riemsdyk. Hey, what's going on? What's up, buddy? Thanks for doing this, man. Yeah, no worries, no worries. I appreciate it. I know you don't have to, you know, take the time out of your day to talk to some random asshole, but you did. No, no worries. Dave, Dave's a good buddy of mine, so if you're good, cool with Dave, you're good with me. So. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Um, cool. So I know you don't have that much time, or you have. I think you have a hard out at least. Yeah, I, I probably need to leave here if we could be done in an hour, like at the most. I think that that should that should give me. I gotta. Uh, we have like a, a four-on-four league out here in the summer that a lot of guys play in, so we have one of the last games today. So it began, it, towards the end of it, it, it actually becomes more of a headache than anything. It's good. It's good to good to get back into it a little bit, get some uh, get back in that competitive environment. But then towards the end, it just it's like a little, a little bit of a chore to to go to. But uh, but no, it's good. It's fun. Yeah, that, that's cool. Well, yeah. So I mean, I don't have like a strict rigid type of uh, format here yeah. it's more of a conversation i kind of want to pick your brain um we could break it into three sections like the three things i'm mostly interested in with anybody i talk to really within the sports world is just kind of like origins development how you started how you think you got to where you are today compared to a lot of your peers at the time who didn't get to where you are today um and then also sports psychology if you're heavy into that world or not and your experience with it and also the off-ice training, the strength and conditioning, the yep. off-season type stuff, which Perfect. I think you're pretty deep into that stuff at UC. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so uh, I, I love that stuff. Um, and I'm just now realizing what an asshole I am wearing a Florida Panthers shirt talking to somebody that plays yeah. in the Flyers. Because <laughs> hey, I see good. myself. <laughs> all good. <laughs> um, oh, man, that's good. So, uh, yeah, and you know what? But the first thing I want to ask, so I, I play beer league. And last weekend I was in a game and uh, there's some guy wearing a half shield, gets a stick up in the face, loses a tooth, split his, his lip open, yeah. blood everywhere. And I, and as I'm preparing for this conversation, I started thinking about when, when you scored a goal last year with your face yeah. and, and I'm wondering, uh. I, I've never really taken the time to research this, but now that I got you here, I'd love to ask. What is the consensus and the conversation within the league of players not protecting their face? And I think I know the answer. I just don't know if it's necessarily a good answer. Is, is as far this, as wearing like just, uh, just protecting just your a, like a, half, cage. a half shield versus a cage. Yeah. Well, it's come a long way when you think about not too long ago that guys like maybe only like 25 years ago, there were some guys that were grandfathered in that didn't even wear helmets. Right. Um, not to say that that's the smartest thing to do, but to think of how short of a time it's gone from helmets uh to with no and a lot of guys didn't wear a shield and now you have obviously everyone who's coming to the league after maybe 2012 or 13 has to wear a shield now they have no choice and then you have a few guys that are still kicking around that are grandfathered in 
Um, as far as my uh, personal opinion on it, I think uh, I- I'm fine with the half shield thing. I think again, we're 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 obviously paid to perform and do a job, and if uh, once you get to that level of uh, there's a certain level of control and respect, I think I think it, it almost gets a little bit da- more dangerous when you have half guys wearing a cage and then half the guys not, because then you have guys being a little bit more reckless um, and things like that. So, uh, I don't know. There's probably, a, there's probably other ways to, to look at it or skin the cat on that one. But, uh, I, again, I think just the, the vision that you have, um, because I've had a few times in my career where I've gotten hit in the nose or in the face, and you definitely lose some of that like visibility and awareness when you're a little more bogged down. Um, but then again, maybe if I was, had a full shield on, I wouldn't, wouldn't have to, I wouldn't have a broken nose or, I, uh, luckily on the one that I had this past year, uh, no, no structural damage, uh, that an MRI or, uh, or an x-ray picked up. So, right. I mean, do you um, think so your, that was good. Do you think your play would change at all? And look, I, I'm coming from, uh, you know, my perspective of playing such low level hockey, but like, I, <laughs> my wife used to make fun of me so much cause I would wear a half shield at like pickup yeah. games and I'd have yeah. these close calls and she's like, what are you doing? Like, you got to go to work. Yeah. You got to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. This is ridiculous. I look yeah. so much cooler though. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but once I put on the full cage, I'm like, oh yeah, like I'm not scared at all to like, get in front of some of these shots now. And but you know, obviously, you can't compare. yeah. Well, you know what? It's you definitely feel an extra degree of uh, that invincibility. I think when you have uh, some of that uh, going on. So because I know a few guys, like yeah, I feel for those guys on the defenseman on the penalty kill. Like any guy that basically in the last uh, however long Ovechkin's been playing that has to try to walk <laughs> out and block that uh, one timer that he has, like they're probably hoping they could wear bubble wrap uh, for that just because of how hard he can shoot it. Usually, again, he picks his uh, spot pretty good with all the goals that he scored. But I've seen a few guys wear a couple of those uh, from it's only like 15, 20 feet away and he's absolutely wiring it. So uh, that's the you, 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 I know guys there would, would, would love to be able to wear every bit of equipment that they could, but. Uh, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question uh, about some of it, if it takes away from other parts of the game, but certainly uh, there is that, that safety uh, element. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's definitely one you could probably debate and chop up a lot of different ways. Well, I think one thing I, and we don't need to get too into the weeds in this, but last thing I'd want to touch on it is I don't, I've always heard it's about marketability. You want to be able to see the players faces. And to me, it's like, I mean, so much of the game is, it's not up close when you're watching on TV anyways. And even like if you have the shield or not, or a cage or not, you're not seeing much of what someone really looks like in hockey, I think. So I don't know if it really, if that's a good enough answer yeah. for me, but no, I, I agree with you there. And and then you could also argue like football is has some of the most recognizable faces in the planet and they're all wearing full cages pretty much. And, uh, and obviously the full, full on helmet too. So, um, it, it's, yeah, that's, that's a whole nother, uh, thing, but, um, but no, I think, uh, yeah, there's definitely, I'd have to think about that a little bit more about what I specifically notice versus not notice, uh, when I'm again, in those instances, when I have to wear something versus when I'm freer, I definitely, I think that awareness, and again, as you could argue, maybe you're safer from slap shots, but if your awareness is a little less then you're cutting across the middle of the rink and someone blows you up and then you get a concussion. So it's like, there's there's kind of a, a few different ways to think about it or look at it. So I don't know. I think, I, I mean, again, those plays are fluky enough where a lot of those hits happen, where concussions happen, where you need that awareness to be able to see and that little extra degree, I think helps. And 
it, it doesn't happen too often, knock on wood, where guys get hit in the face with the puck or um, stuff like that, where it's like really crazy, crazy damage. Maybe obviously there's the, the, uh, the high stick, Aaron high stick here and there, but usually your visor does a good enough job to be able to help get in the way of, uh, if you're wearing it right, right. Uh, some of those. Right. And so speaking of concussions, you're, you're a dad. Are, are you going to put your kids in hockey? Cause I, I keep, I have a 10 month old and I've been reading yeah. a lot about this stuff and like Reddit forums and stuff and dad saying they regret putting their kids in hockey. And, and, you know, I, I, I grew up playing obviously never got to yeah. the level that you're at, but, uh, I took some, some damage. Uh, my brother took even more so than I did. And I don't know. I, I think, I think putting your kids in, in any sport, uh, I guess is, is very important, but I'm curious to get your take on that with, uh, being a dad. Yeah. You know what? I think, uh, I, for me, like to, to, I'll give you my reasoning after, but yeah, I wouldn't hesitate to put my kids in hockey. I think now with, uh, the way that you have hockey Canada and USA hockey, so hyper aware of these issues and they're trying to make the game safe for kids. So that's the one thing. Um, the second part of that I think is really, um, doing a good job of teaching kids how to play the game, how to take contact, um, how to carry the puck, how to that awareness that you have. And I think um, that's something, again, where if you look at in, in the NHL and obviously we're, we're comparing two different ends of the spectrum where you have kids growing up playing and then guys at the NHL level. But again, you generally speaking, the best players never take those kind of dramatic hits that, um, that caught that end up in concussion. And I think that's just because of that awareness that they have and that ability that they're, again, whether they work on their skills enough, so they're not bobbling the puck and looking in their feet or where they know where all other, the other guys on their, on the uh, rink are. Um, so, so again, I think, I guess looking at it from both sides of the coin, like, obviously, again, we don't want those kind of those malicious, those intent to injure type of hits in the game. But I think, again, if we can continue to, press along as far as how we teach kids how to play hockey and the different tools that they can use to, again, absorb, absorb hits and be aware um, when they're carrying the puck and, and, and different, different scenarios on the ice, how to protect themselves, how to, how to use their bodies to not. Um, and again, I know that's, uh, you have kids that are playing for fun and stuff like that. And it's not fun to, to get blasted and have a head injury. That's, that's certainly not the case, but I think, uh, if we can teach kids the right way to, to do some of these skills, I think that definitely, uh, and if we take some of those predatory type plays out of the game, I think that's a good combo for feeling um, good about putting your kid uh, into, into hockey. Yeah. Uh, that's the perfect segue to go right into where I wanted to start, which was your origins when you were a kid, when you started, how old you were when you first put on a pair of skates and why, like, was your family already into hockey or were you just kind of this, have a random interest and got involved. Yeah. So I, I started at like three or four years old. My, my dad brought me out for uh, just like public skate um, at old bridge ice arena. So it was one of those places in Jersey where it's like, it's covered up top, but the, the sides are, uh, are outdoors. Um, so it was one of those things, like I was crying. I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go. They finally pushed me onto the ice and then like, they couldn't take me off. So that kind of developed my love for like skating and carrying a stick and things like that. So, um, my, my dad was actually born in, um, in Montreal. He only lived there for a short period of time before, uh, the family moved, but, uh, his dad would always kind of say to him half jokingly, I think was, uh, you're the, you're the Canadian in the family. It's, it's your obligation to, uh, to learn about hockey and, to, to kind of, uh, that, that should be like this, like a sport that you follow. So like, 
Um, I don't know if that nudge from him, from, from his dad got my dad into it, but he started playing like recreationally, um, in Jersey and then some high school hockey in Jersey and always loved the sport. So he'd be again in college at Susquehanna in uh, Pennsylvania, played on the club team there. And then him and his buddies would pack in the car and drive up to the Montreal forum to go watch games, um, up there. So, uh, I guess that's how me and my brothers got into it. My dad loved the game and, um, I guess we started pretty young because of that. So we had hockey on at the house and um, um, always had games on and this DVD or not, or I guess not DVD at this point it was VHS, but uh, it's called uh, Wayne Gretzky uh, above and beyond. And we would have that on every day. And by the end of, uh, uh, by, by the end of our childhood, like the tape, I don't think worked anymore because of how many times we watched it over and over. So uh, we definitely, again, I think our dad, just because he had that love for the game and wanted to share that with us, um, we kind of uh, kind of took the ball with that, and then we had that same sort of passion uh, for it uh, after that. Did you play any other sports? Yeah, so uh, so growing up, uh, played soccer through middle school, baseball. I kind of started in like t-ball and the younger um, age stuff for that, and then I got away from that for a little bit and uh, ended up playing again in middle school. Um, but yeah, like I, I played tennis and stuff, kind of just more uh, for fun with. Uh, took lessons and things like that, but never in like um, a certain program uh, as far as like, uh, I don't even know what that would be considered for tennis, like a school program or whatever, or a team, but never on a team, just kind of more for fun. And that's something I still love to do. So I think uh, that was definitely important for me, I think is you, you when you cross, uh, you don't think of it this way, but like when you're, when you're kind of playing all these different sports and learning all these different movements and skills, uh, it can definitely help translate into making you a better athlete and give you more accessibility to certain things that might come up, uh, playing hockey. Right. Yeah. I was actually going to ask that. Cause you hear that a lot of being able to play multiple sports being beneficial as opposed to being solely focused on one main sport. Um, and I'm, <laughs> maybe a, a stupid story, but I'm remembering a, a story that Dave told me. I think he said you guys were in middle school and you were, was it some like floor hockey? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he said something, uh, I, cause I asked him like, to give me some, some stories about you. This is maybe like a month or two months ago, uh, whenever it was, I, I first no. reached out to you, but something about, uh, you were just like crushing it on a, like a floor hockey <laughs> game or tournament or something. And he told you, hey, when you're in the NHL, like, make sure you get me some season tickets. Or if you make it to the Rangers, yeah. get me some season tickets. Yeah, um, yeah, no, exactly. That's funny. That seems, again, well, that must have been what now? That's uh, maybe 2001 or something like that. So 20 years ago, that was now. So that's uh, that's funny to think about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, was there, obviously, he's he's trying to be funny, but was there any, like, insight there to, like, like, was it pretty obvious that how of a high level you were going to go at that point? Like, were you that? good amongst your peers at that early of an age i don't know what what grade you were in in 2001 but i'm just curious yeah. to when that became apparent yeah so i think just looking at my journey from growing up playing hockey um it was definitely a little bit different than um uh i would say most particularly from the jersey area i mean first and foremost like you don't really you at that time you didn't have a ton of players coming out of new jersey so for us it was always kind of like looking at jim dowd and he gave everyone kind of that inspiration and hope so I played for the same um club growing up that he did the brick hockey club and um again that was actually a tier two organization so obviously as as it is now there's tier one tier two um so that was uh I, I guess considered a, a little bit of a step down although we did play some of those tier one teams and kind of our exhibition schedule so 
I think that was kind of just the stress from uh, my parents growing up was we wanted it to be fun. We wanted to play with our friends. We didn't want to, again, you, I think you see it nowadays where you have a lot of kids every year. It seems like they're going to different clubs and teams and trying to, I don't know if that's a degree of uh, finger pointing or whatever's going on, but um, I think it takes a little bit away from uh, that kind of youthful enthusiasm and fun that you have for playing with your friends. So I, I play with pretty much the same group of kids and, I, and maybe I was lucky to can't be with a good group of kids too. So I guess we can't discount that, but I play with pretty much the same group from when I was uh, like nine years old, all the way till when I left for the national team when I was uh, 15. So, or 16, I think that was. So, um, so yeah, that was, that was great. I mean, I grew up uh, just, yeah, you grow up as a person like along these guys and still some of these guys are some lifelong friends. So I think the fact that my parents kind of stressed that part of it and allowed me like, again, they were, their, their sort of mindset for all this stuff, my parents was, uh, we just want you to do something you love to do. So whatever that may be, uh, we're here to support you. We're here to help you. And, uh, whenever, wherever you kind of need us, uh, what, or whatever you need from us to, to do that. But, uh, ultimately, yeah, if you, if I didn't want to play hockey, they weren't going to be forcing me to, to go do that or play. So I think, uh, just that sort of, um, I, I really, looking back now and, and after meeting some different people over the years where it may not be that way, you certainly start to appreciate uh, um, uh, that part of what my parents did for me. Did you ever get to a point where you didn't want to play? Did you ever feel burnt out or were you always in love with it, always had the passion? And No, yeah, I always had, yeah, I always had the passion. I always loved it. Like, and I think part of that too was like in the summers, like they don't, we, I'd get asked to play on these like, these kind of these tournament teams and stuff like that. And my parents basically, they, they wouldn't let me play because I think they wanted to keep that fire. Uh, didn't want me to get burned out and, and things like that. So like, again, in the summer, like I'd be playing roller hockey with my, with my friends at the local roller rink out, outdoor rink. Um, and again, I think you learn a lot about uh, different skills and just that different creativity and imagination playing in settings like that. So, so we'd play in the driveway, we'd play at the roller rink. So uh, we, we did a little bit, did it a little bit differently in the summer. So, I mean, again, we did occasionally. And as I got a little bit older, we started to do some more tournaments in the summer, but for the most part, like I, again, you have friends that you look back on and like, and the, and the, it's like supposed to be like kind of your quote unquote off season. And they're, they're gone like 10 weekends of the summer, like going to play different tournaments, which is great. And that works out for some people, but I think, uh, yeah, I, I think that I still love it just as much as I did when I was nine years old in hockey and everything about it. And obviously you realize how some of these things uh, you learn about it over the years uh, and all the different things that can go into it. But I still have that same passion for wanting to just, again, play and enjoy it and maximize uh, my ability the best that I can. Yeah. The, uh, the group of friends that you were playing with starting from uh, nine years old, are any of them still playing at a high level today or were you the only one that really made it to the NHL and yeah so there was a few guys that played in prep school from that group um we actually and there was a few guys that ended up we played at high school at the at the Christian Brothers Academy together we won a state championship um it would have been my sophomore year so some of the guys were juniors some of them were, were sophomores um and then yeah some of them played uh in college um division three in college or club in college and and still play like men's league and things like that. So some, yeah, it was again for that, especially again, like coming from Jersey, I think we had a pretty strong group of kids that played together and were able to do some cool things uh, in hockey together up along our journey. And then obviously 
Um, it's cool to again, guys had different paths, but, um, yeah, it was nice to see that guys loved it as much as they did to be able to, again, whether it's play division three or play club and kind of make it into more of an experience, um, uh, collegiately. I think that was, uh, that was fun for, for everyone. And then you eventually went on to be, uh, drafted second overall 2007. Did you know that you were going to be that high of a draft pick leading into it? Cause I think these days it's pretty clear who's going to be in the first, you know, however many picks, but I think it was a little different back then, right? It was a little more uncertain. Um, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, I, I think nowadays, like you're, you're kind of, you're picked out a lot younger, I think, than you were maybe when I was coming through this almost 15 years ago. Um, so for me, when I first went out to that, uh, national program for my junior year of high school, like going into that, like my goal and, and I had two goals, I guess, growing up playing, it was one to play for the play for Christian brothers Academy varsity team. And then once I kind of did that, I'm like, okay, like I got, it would be awesome to play division one and get a scholarship somewhere. So, so going into that, uh, that was kind of my goal. Like my first year at that U S program to really lock in, um, a scholarship. And I was able to do that at the university of New Hampshire. So like after my time there, that's like, again, uh, I'm from New Jersey and like a lot of the best guys coming out of the U S aren't necessarily from there. I think it's come a long way for sure. And, I think um, a cup like in the in I was like the middle part of like a six year, seven year run where there was first round picks that were developed or born in New Jersey um, in the NHL. So that was kind of a cool thing uh, um, to be a part of. But but going back to then, like I, I you didn't I didn't have expectation wise. It was like, OK, like how good am I really like I've, I don't like there's I'm from New Jersey. I'm maybe a big at this point, a little bit of a bigger fish in a smaller pond, but. Now I'm going to be playing against the best guys from Minnesota and Massachusetts, um, Michigan, things like that. I mean, when I went out there, I would say like there was probably like six or seven guys right before our junior year in college or junior in high school that were already uh, committed to to big time schools like Minnesota or Michigan, uh, things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that was an eye opening experience. And I think that uh, like you, you almost felt like you had to fight for that respect and that um and to prove that you belonged with uh, on the same ice and on the same team with the best, obviously these are all the best kids at your birth year and your age group. So you wanted to, it was a, that, that sort of environment was really good for me, I think, to, to really help push myself and to, to really develop uh, as a player, because again, you're going against the best of the best um, of your age group every single day. So like you literally, like you have to be on it every day. And I think that really helped, uh, helped me maximize myself uh, as a player. Probably a lot of iron sharpening iron at that point. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, because I'm curious to, to being that high of a draft pick, how much that contributes to pressure or were you not really feeling that? Was it more so of just excited to I mean, obviously, you just got drafted in the NHL and you were how old were you? Were you? Yeah. So that was. Yeah. So how it works in hockey is uh, most for the most part, you get drafted uh, after your senior year of high school. I mean, obviously, there are some exceptions depending on. Um, if you're older for your grade or younger for your grade or whatever. Um, so, yeah, so, so I guess ultimately going into that U S program, like I didn't have many expectations for the NHL. And then as I continued to play there and get a little better, it's like, okay, I got some on some, uh, I guess draft lists as like maybe being a first round pick. So like at that point I'm like, wow, like, okay, like this, this could be a real thing like me playing professionally, me living out my dream playing in the NHL. And then as that second year that I was out there went on, like uh, was in a really good situation with some really good other players. Obviously, like I mentioned, the best of our birth year and was playing with some really good line mates. And um, 
yeah, so I, I had a really good season. And then kind of as the year wound, wound down and we, we came in second to got a silver medal at the U18 World Championships, I was, uh, there was like a group of three of us that were being talked about for, uh, to be picked first. So it was myself, uh, Patrick Kane and, uh, Kyle Turris. So at that point I kind of figured like, again, you never really know for sure, but, but you think, uh, at that point it's like, wow, like this could be pretty, pretty cool. And I could be picked pretty high. So, um, yeah, I, I, again, I never really felt too much of the pressure from that. Like I always have held myself to like a higher standard than worrying about the outside stuff. I'm a big believer in, in my process and how I approach things. And that's definitely developed a lot over the years and the, the different things that I've been able to try to attack to just continue to get better and just worrying about that for myself and not necessarily worrying about timelines or how other people around you are doing. And it's something, again, that's that's harder to do as a younger, younger player. I think the older I get, the better you get at kind of tuning out some of the other extra stuff that doesn't matter. But, uh, but no, I mean, uh, you want to perform and you want to do things to a high level. But I think for me, I, I know with the process that I take to approach my craft, you can have that kind of honest conversation with yourself at the end of every season or however you kind of approach it, that you, you kind of didn't leave any stones unturned as far as trying to maximize what you are as a player. I think that's the perfect segue into the sports psychology stuff, just speaking on just the mental pressure and being able to tune out the outside world, just of what you just mentioned, being the second overall pick, but also you, you played in Toronto, which I think speaking of pressure, I mean, that's, that's probably the team where you handle how or have to handle the most pressure just because of how under the microscope you are with the media there. And uh, to a lot of my listeners, maybe they don't understand the difference of playing in Toronto and maybe compared to the smaller markets like me, I'm from South Florida and that's probably one of the smaller markets there is. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's gotta be such a vast difference of experience uh, playing for, uh, you know, like uh, a Florida Panthers or a Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, can you speak on, on your experience there? And, and uh, specifically, I'd love to hear just the mental aspect. If that, if you were able to tune things out or was it affecting you? And if it were, if it was affecting you, did you have some things that you did to kind of, you know, get into the right mindset, any type of things like meditation or positive affirmations or any or visualization, you know, any of that kind of stuff? I think yeah, the question so, was a little uh, all over the place there. I apologize. No, no, no. I got where you're coming <laughs> from with that. But uh, no, I think for me, like I, I've been lucky to play in two great markets. And, and I think, to be honest, that definitely brings out the best in me. Like I grew up where I grew up and grew, growing up a fan of uh, the Yankees and the Rangers and stuff like that. Uh, it's like you, that buzz that's around those teams. It's like fun to be a part of obviously growing up, like following it as a fan, but I found like just as a player, like I've equally loved that sort of um, I don't even know what you'd call it, but that, that kind of that vibe or that's, that comes with that. Um, and again, playing in a place like Philly, it's a great sports town. Uh, they, they one of the best buildings in the league to play in. Um, and a great following. And I think that really prepared me well to go to Toronto just because again, that, that, that passion is uh, just amplified a little bit up there just because of the sheer volume of, uh, of people that, that follow hockey uh, in Toronto and then in Canada, just because again, it's almost like Canada's team to a degree, just because everywhere we'd go, uh, you'd have that, uh, it almost, you'd have that maple leaf uh, feel in the crowd where you're getting some go Leafs go chance. So um, that was definitely, again, a time in my career that I'll always look back on super fondly. Uh, I got treated really well by the, by the people up there and, uh, that pressure. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think for me, I just, I, I love that accountability of knowing that 
people cared as much as I care about what I'm doing. And, and I think that just pushes you a little bit to, to really try to be the best version of yourself. Like, again, I don't think I, I necessarily struggle for, for motivation for wanting to really maximize what I'm doing, but it's nice to, to be in a situation where that is really appreciated. And I think people, again, because they do care so much, they appreciate when guys, uh, when players care, um, and, and try to do what they can to really be the best version of themselves and ultimately help the team, uh, win games. So again, there's lots of different factors that can go into that, but certainly, uh, I think just for me, I've always kind of had that even keeled sort of approach is never really, you're never as good as they tell you, you're never as bad as they tell you. So I think obviously in a, in a, in a market like, uh, Toronto, that's definitely, uh, something you can, you can rely on to certain degrees. And I think, again, as I've gotten older, you, you learn specific tools to, really try to help you uh, practice that because sometimes, again, if someone can tell you that, but it's like, okay, like, what does that mean? How do I do that? So for me, that's again, trying to do some different uh, breath work sorts of things to stay present or use the cold tub and use the sauna and things like that to really uh, kind of control that uh, stress response um, in different stressful situations. So I think that's something that I've tried to practice, uh, over the years. And that was kind of towards the tail end of my time in Toronto, when I started to realize, obviously, again, there's, you gotta be in a good mindset, but it's also, there's ways to, to legitimately train that by doing tangible things versus like trying to just, again, sometimes it's hard, easier said than done just to be there and be Zen. But if you can, again, do things like focus on your breath and do different breathing protocols that really, you're, you're, you're not thinking about anything else other than right there and holding this exhale for this long or this inhale for now and, um, things like that. So I think, um, as I found stuff like that, I think, uh, those tools are just so important, uh, to give you consistency and, uh, and longevity. I was hoping to get an answer like that out of you. That's the kind of stuff that I really <laughs> want to hear is just kind of like the, the, yeah. tan the tangible stuff. What is it that, you know, I've, I've had some interviews with athletes where they just either they don't do that kind of stuff or they don't want to talk about it. Um, and I'm just so curious to, uh, let's say for one, for example, breath work, um, and utilizing a cold tub or uh, a sauna. And, and you're, you're mentioning these things more as to get into, I don't know if it's a meditative state for lack of a better term there, but it, it's more so for mental, uh, than it is for physical, or maybe you're doing it for both. I don't know. Um, but, I guess to use breath work for an example, can you, can you tell me exactly what that is, what that, what that looks like? Like if you're going into a game, are you doing it before every game or are you doing it before a game because you're nervous about that game in particular? Uh, or is it just kind yeah. of routine? So this is, as I, I, again, I, I'd say my journey into breath work is I'm just kind of scratching the beginnings of it. I think, uh, it's, it's, it's getting introduced. really, really popular now. Yeah, like, you know what it is. The podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's been awesome to see. I think, again, when someone first told me about breath work, because I originally, again, you always, I guess, rewind a little bit to like your career and like, team, like, again, I think people have their hearts in the right place when they want you to like work with different people um, as far as working on the mental side of things. But sometimes it's like, I know for me, like, I'm, I've definitely always been the person that's been like a pain in the ass, like, as far as like, I want to know why I want to know what, what I want to know specific. So like sometimes those cliched things like only get you so far. So I, I think again, so, so fast. So I guess now going back a few years when I first got introduced to breath work, I'm like, okay, like I know how to breathe, like, like leave me alone. Like, what are you talking about? But, but realistically you learn all these different 
uh, things about the breath that, um, again, that uh, as it, all these different things it ties into, whether it's uh, a physiology of yourself and then your state, I'm sure there's other ones that I'm missing, but those are the ones that, uh, that I've kind of really found that have, that have helped me. So like, again, there's different protocols that, uh, that, that you can do as far as like, whether it's a pregame or pre ice, uh, or ice is in practice or something ones that get you going a bit, or there's ones that you can use post game to get yourself into more of that, uh, re- recovery mode, or you can, you can actually do things to train your, your cardiovascular, uh, and VO2 type stuff. So there's so many different, uh, applications of it. And I think, uh, for me, as far as someone who's always kind of constantly tinkering with things and trying to find an edge and trying to find the, the smartest uh, way to train and be better, I think, um, yeah, that's been something that's probably been the, as far as something in the last few years that I've started doing, I would say that's got to be high up there as far as something that's had a huge impact for me. Are you seeing a lot of guys in the locker room that are open to those things? Or are you that one weirdo that's doing breathing exercises and <laughs> yeah you know what it's funny because the, like it, it kind of when i was the younger one kind of doing like again I'll, i've only really the breath stuff like when i first started doing it i would never do it in public just because i knew what guys were thinking and then um it's kind of funny in the last few years so like I, I i think guys saw me doing a little bit of it in philly and i'd get chirped a little bit and then fast forward i came back the next uh um the next year and guys are asking me about like wim hof and i see guys doing it in the in the uh, before they go in the cold tub. And now actually it's pretty cool. We have a good group of guys uh, in Philly that we're doing some of these um, breath hold protocols in the sauna to try to, again, uh, train that, uh, that system um, as far as how you can, your CO2 tolerance and uh, how you can kind of uh, make your oxygen last and things like that. So, so yeah, that's been kind of fun um, to kind of be more in that role where maybe I'm now I'm, I'm going to have to start some of these guys. I remember who they are, who were chirping me a little bit for being crazy and doing weird stuff. I'm going to have to, these are some of the guys that are jumping on board with some of it now. So I'm going to have to tell them how crazy they are uh, now that they're, uh, now they're on the dark side with some of this stuff. Right. Right. And I was actually going to ask you that if your introduction to it was Wim Hof, cause he seems to be that first domino for a lot of people that got into the breath yeah. work stuff. And yeah. Yeah. That was one of them. Again, it was all kind of seemed to happen at this, at the similar sort of time with some of it, because again, it's, uh, it was even like when you do like a yoga or Pilates class, like they talk about the breath and stuff like that. But as far as like, for me, like I mentioned, like I'm always wanting to know why and and what and how and what, like what, what's the, what's the point of, and how basically at the end of the day, anything that I do in my, in my routine, it's like, how is this going to help me on the ice? Like, how is this going to make me a better player? So like, once I started to get some, like have people explain that to me and get some answers to those questions, like that really kind of the, the light bulb uh, definitely went off um, for a lot of these things to how, this can have such a big impact. And I, I think, again, it's like, like everyone works hard now, like everyone wants to be good. Like uh, you can't really question that now, like guys train year round and guys are in great shape. So it's just uh, finding the smartest, uh, getting the most bang for your buck as far as what you're doing to really get the most effect for what you're trying to accomplish. Because I think, again, ultimately, I, I think with a lot of these things, like anything you do can like make you tired or whatever, you can have that that throw up effect or that sore effect, but it's like, is this translating to make me a better player? And I think that's ultimately a question that I try to ask myself about a lot of the things that I do. And that's ultimately all I care about when it comes to anything to do with training and things like that. So you said you started doing it uh, just within the last couple of years or last few years. I'm curious to how the league has changed for you 
of when you started to today? Because I think a lot of things have changed. I mean, you're hearing so many of these stories of where, I mean, I don't know what the, the years would be, but I mean, now you just mentioned it, like in the off season, everybody's staying in shape. Everybody's doing the off season yeah. training and whatnot. And, you know, back in the day, I don't know how far back you want to go, but I mean, off season meant you were, you were boozing, you were fishing, you were, <laughs> you know, I mean, if you want to go back to Gordy Howe yeah. and like those days, yeah. I, I just read his book recently. And it's like, yeah, like the off season was fishing and boozing. Yeah. And then, you know, so obviously yeah. very, very different. I think you've experienced some changes just in your career alone. I'm sure you, you've experienced a lot of that. Can you touch on that? Yeah, no, I ultimately too, like, I, I think it's important to touch on that. It's all about having a good balance as well. Like I think you could still be dialed in and still want to be the best and still do things to help you be the best, but ultimately you got to do things to enjoy your life. And, uh, and I think that's a big part too, of, uh, of the, the mental piece of things is again, having that, having that balance where you, you do feel like you can do the things you want to do and enjoy doing with your friends and have a good time and stuff like that. But, it, but I think again, um, you have to pick your spots, um, sometimes to, to do that. So, um, I, I think that would be the biggest thing I've noticed, uh, over the course of my career where I think, uh, guys definitely, uh, pick their spots a lot better, uh, now than when I first came into the league where it was a little bit, uh, a little bit different. I, um, I think, again, I don't, it's, it's tough to pinpoint why, why it shifted. Um, I think when I first came into the league, it was, it was a lot older as far as like the average age and things like that. Um, and then now it's, uh, it's a lot, a lot younger players. Maybe that makes the game a little bit faster in some ways. So, uh, being dialed into some of these things to, to be able to play at that, uh, higher pace, uh, making your decisions faster and everyone coming up into the league has again, been exposed to like, again, when I, I was, I was lucky in the sense that I was exposed to just kind of like very basic stuff, but off ice stuff. Like when I was nine years old, like our, I was, I played for a coach that, was like, you know what, we're going to do some stuff. Uh, we're going to do some box jumps. We're going to do some j jumping rope. We're going to do push-ups and sit-ups and we're going to stick handle a golf ball. And if you have a net at home, shoot in the driveway. So I was doing that stuff when I was young. Um, but now I think it's, uh, yeah, the kids coming up, uh, are, have a lot of cool things right at their fingertips with social media and Instagram. And so they're able to do a lot of stuff to work on their, uh, on their game just by doing that. And again, you don't even really think about it like that when you're growing up, you're just like, Oh, this looks, this is on, this is on Instagram. It looks cool. I'm going to try to do it. And then you practice these things. And obviously you're getting some reps in to, to work on certain things. So, so yeah, it's definitely, uh, some of that stuff has shifted, uh, over the course of my career. Is there anything, uh, in terms of, of training and this doesn't necessarily need to be individual, maybe like even in forms of team practice, I'm thinking of a, a coach that I had in high school. And I actually had him on this podcast and he was telling me he, so I, I went to St. Thomas Aquinas in Fort Lauderdale. They have the most NFL players ever to come out of a high school in, in the U S and coach Rob Biasati was a strength and conditioning coach there. And he said, one of the most effective tools that he found coaching these kids who went off, you know, a year after he's done with them to sign these enormous contracts and play in the NFL, several won Super Bowls. He said one of the, the most interesting and most effective elements of, of practice that he had with them or training was play. So he would have them play dodgeball uh, just to remove them from the element of, or even like remove the idea of football from their minds and just like, just have them mess around. They were having so much fun. And you saying, well, when you're having fun, you're going to be much more susceptible to learning new things and possibly even improving in, 
in this uh, case, athleticism or, you know, whatever that might be. And even team cohesion and then like just that te- camaraderie and all that stuff. And it also uh, reminded me of, I don't know if you're familiar with George St. Pierre, MMA fighter, mm-hmm. fought in the UFC. Yeah. And, uh, I, I heard him recently on a podcast, maybe it was like a few months ago. And he said something very similar where he's like, when I'm like drilling in the gym and it's like very, very regimented and I have this plan and it's my fight camp. Like he's like, I'm, not, I'm more so like fine tuning things or getting conditioned. I'm not necessarily learning a lot of new things. It's when I'm playing just like rolling and jujitsu and having fun and not even really going full clip. It's just kind of, you know, having fun with it is where he says he's learning and experimenting and, and just, he gets so much benefit out of it. Is there anything like that going on in the NHL that you've experienced? Yeah, you know what? That's definitely something that's uh, super interesting, and and again, it comes back to like the different ways to to view and look at um, training and what you're trying to accomplish. So I think I think he hits the nail on the head with uh, with that um, as far as like playing and things like that and experimenting um, with different things um, and trying different things in the summer. Like again, for me, like sometimes like, again, you could be like, okay, I'm going to do shuttle runs or whatever. It may be something simple, but it's like, okay, if I could actually maybe play pickleball or tennis, it's like, I'm kind of doing a similar sort of thing, but there's that more, that randomness of it, that, uh, you get that reaction and using your brain a little bit, there's a strategy involved. So I, I enjoy doing stuff like that. Um, in the summer where you, you kind of, again, have that cross training aspect and it's, uh, a little bit more random. And I think you're, like you mentioned, it's that playfulness that uh, you can kind of figure out different things about how to move and your body and things like that, and try to figure out how things might translate um, into something else you're trying to accomplish. But uh, yeah, I think that stuff's the most important stuff because um, again, I think that some of that comes down to learning how for every sport pretty much, but you need to be able to move properly. That's how all the best players are. Or if you look at certain guys off the off the ice or out of their equipment in, in a lot of sports, it's like, really like this guy's like the best, the best player in the league. Like, are you like, like, so like, I think that's something that's something to be said for that is not worrying as much about maybe the mirror test as, uh, as you w- would think, but being able to have these different skills and things that uh, can translate into things you apps that you need to do to, to be better at your sport. Yeah. Um, just a couple other things to go in the, the sports psychology world there. And I'd want to get into your strength and conditioning and off ice stuff before uh, you got to go here. If you look back on your career and you, you, you look back at maybe a string of bad games you had, and then a string of good games that you had, like let's say some of the worst games you've had and some of the best games you've had in your career. Are you able to pinpoint exactly what was going on there? That's a, that's a good question. I would say probably one of the better that's an interesting question because I think when you, when I start to assess what success means in certain situations, I think my definition of that has probably evolved a little bit over the years, but uh, a time when I, I guess, really felt in the zone, it was my second year in the league. It was my second crack at the playoffs. And again, it was a weird season going into, into that, into that playoff run. And I, and I finally, was just gotten to this mindset of just like, I'm just going to just go out there and basically just let it fly and just go play and not think as much. And I think that was when I had a nice run of uh, personal uh, success in the playoffs and scored some goals and things like that. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I try to, for me, I try to have that mindset of the next game just worrying about the next one and not letting the the lows or the highs get to you too much. So it's hard to really, uh, really pinpoint 
that sometimes as far as that. And again, I, I think if I look back now on how I want to play and I saw how I was playing when I did have a pretty good run there. And I think I, I think I earned a lot of confidence from the organization after that playoff run um, my second year. But I think looking back now, it's like, okay, there's so many things I would like, like to, I would have maybe how I approach the game, I think is a little different and what I'm trying to accomplish out there and be a more effective player. But I think that's something you really learn as you get older is that, um, like there's only so many guys that can use their raw, whether it's they can jump higher or they can skate faster or whatever. It's like, how do you use your brain and your experience to, to do certain things? Because I, I think, um, like I said, like, obviously you need to be a, a certain amount fast and a certain amount strong to be able to play at the, any level of professional sport, no matter what sport it is. But I think after that, um, you have exceptions to the rule where maybe guys are that smart and that fast. So you look at someone like McDavid or whatever sticks out right away where he's got that insane sort of um, athletic ability and skill of speed, but he also has that thought process and, and hockey ability to just be that good. But I think you look at a lot of good players in the league, it's like they're not necessarily the fastest guy or the, or the strongest guy or per se, as far as you maybe think like looking at it, like, um, and traditional ways of strength, but like you look at these guys and how they move and how they think and how they approach the game and approach different plays. And, and that's what makes them good. So you, you try to bring some of that into your own game to get yourself to have some more success. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I, I wanted to ask you like, so to go back to that uh, string of good games that you had, that performance you had in your second year going into the playoffs, I mean, was it a bit, a bit of like a, a revelation to you? Like, oh my God, I, I should just keep playing like this. Like I should just you know, always be in this mindset and then like find yourself trying to get back in there. And Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That, that's a good question. I think, um, and again, I think you, you've kind of, your thought process on those things evolved so much. So it's hard to really definitively pinpoint it because like, I don't even think I, even if I thought I could do that now, I don't even think I'd want to play that way because I, I think I'd be leaving a lot of things on the table as far as, uh, situations to be better at, but like, certainly like, again, like at that time, like, I think, uh, because I was kind of relatively young and unknown in the league, I was able to, they're like, like I was able to do things that maybe surprise people a little bit. So I think you always have to constantly evolve as a player to have that consistent success. Cause I think, uh, unless like you're a freak of nature, like uh, McDavid, where he, no matter, everyone knows how good and how fast he is, but he still blows people out of the water with his speed and things like that but players are smart and they adjust and teams adjust. So you have to constantly be able to, to work on your, your craft mentally in the sense of uh, how to do things smart and how to add more range to what you are as a player. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to get into the, the off ice training, strength conditioning, off season type of stuff here. Uh, do you have your own strength coach or do you just work with a team strength coach? It's a little bit of a hybrid or do you have a bunch of different coaches? How, how does that look? Yeah, I'm, I'm lucky. Like I've, I've worked with a lot of, uh, great people and I've learned a lot from different people over the years and worked with a lot of high level coaches that I've that maybe I don't work with as much anymore but I've definitely learned um from them over the years so um I, I again over the course of my career I've found different things uh, that I've been into uh whether it's again more of a Olympic style weightlifting stuff like that and I think that got me to a certain point and then again trying to uh, I feel like the last maybe eight, nine years. And there's been different strategies to try to accomplish this, but just really focusing on trying to move my body the best I can and being able to get in the different postures, um, that allow you to have success and play hockey at, because like I mentioned, like I'm, 
less concerned. Maybe again, when you're early in your career, you're worried about, you're worried about all like, I need to lift as much weight as possible. I need to get my squat to this number. But then it's like, I, I was finding like, okay, just because I got my squat 50 pounds heavier in a summer, like, I don't, what did I get out of that as a player? And I don't know, like if there was as much return on that time that and an effort that it took to get into that. So it's like, you start to think about things a little bit differently and you start to be aware of some of the best players in the league and kind of how they're, how they look and what they do. And obviously everyone's different. Everyone has to find what works for them. So I don't think there's one solution that works for every single person or player, but I think that kind of led me down a road to try to be more strategic and smart um, about how I do things and what I want to specifically work on um, to get better. So I think, again, think speaking of that strength and conditioning stuff and then combining it, I have a, um, a skills coach that I've been working with now for, uh, I think like five, six years now, Adam Oates, who was a hall of fame player and just some of his insights, I think I've really opened my eyes about how to approach, um, kind of developing myself as a player and, and kind of the things that are necessary on the ice and off the ice, uh, to do that. So I think, um, yeah, I think that it's kind of approaching it that way. I think really approaching it from a sense of being smart about being really specific for my body and doing different movements and things, whether that's, uh, I'm trying to think of specific, um, stuff that I would do that I could share that would be kind of, uh, um, easy to explain, but I guess, uh, there's a, um, Moshe Feldenkrais. Um, I do some of, uh, those sort of movement lessons they call. And I, I that's something what's I've it, done a, lot, a little bit. Moshe Feldenkrais is the guy's name. So okay. I, it's just called the Felden, Feldenkrais method. Okay. So that's some stuff I've, I've, I've tinkered with, uh, over the last bunch of years here. And I've had some good results with that, but, um, but yeah, mostly I would say it's just trying to, obviously you have to have that level of strength and there's different sorts of, again, there's all there, there's no, I don't think, again, there's not, there's definitely not a bad exercise. It's just what you're trying to accomplish with it. So I think that's where you have to be really intuitive with your own body and see how you respond uh, to certain things and uh, find out what's best for you. So I think for me, it's obviously, again, there's some specific things that I think I need to improve upon uh, to get better and, and um, combining that with being able to move, with through some of those movements I just mentioned before, I think uh, is key. So that's kind of, I try to have a good balance of, uh, of those things. I remember a while back I was talking to our mutual friend, Dave, and he told me he was talking to you and you, you said you weren't lifting weights anymore. You were doing a lot of underwater <laughs> stuff. Are you still doing that? Yeah. So I got some of that in there too. Yeah. Um, that comes back to some of the, uh, again, with the, the breath hold stuff um, and earlier like or breath work, I should say. Um, and doing some things like that. Um, that's something I think I can definitely explore a bit more and see more of it because I've seen, uh, you've seen, I've seen some different, uh, people using that and having some good results, but, uh, yeah, there's all these different, like I said, there's all good stuff out there. It's just trying to figure out what, uh, what, what fits for you and and with what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, I think GSP again, to bring him back up, uh, he's, he said a similar thing. He stopped lifting weights. He was doing a lot of his training underwater. And I think he's part of an, he owns part of a company that sells like underwater treadmill training. or something like that. No, yeah. no. It's like these, uh, or just the or resistance the system. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I forget which one he owns, but, um, yeah. but yeah, yes. Yeah. So I don't know when Dave told me that I thought that was interesting. And, uh, I wanted to ask you about that. Um, is there anything, I guess with like conditioning, mobility, strength, recovery, if, if we want to touch on those four things, 
there's things that you really swear by. So recovery, we kind of touched on with the, the water stuff, the breath stuff. I think that's part of it. Um, but in terms of conditioning, is there like, I can't believe I'm about to use this example, but like, if you're going to, if you had to go to like a desert Island, you can only bring one conditioning training or, you know, something along those lines. Uh-huh. And same thing with like mobility and strength. Like if there's one main thing that you swear by, what would that be? Yeah. So looking at my workouts now, like what I would need to do them. So I'm, I'm kind of like thinking that through like what I would need. Like, so like, again, that's the nice part about the stuff that I do. It's like, you don't really need to bring much. Like I bring a few bands with me and, um, sometimes I need some dumbbells and again, occasionally I'll get under the, the hex bar and do some things with that. But for the part, it's just about uh, a lot of the stuff with the Feldenkrais method is just being able to move as you're supposed to move through your bones, I guess is the best way to describe it. So a lot of it's like, it, it's like kind of tedious and can be boring at times, but I've had some good results with it as far as just, uh, getting things all in the same program. And, um, with your within your body and making sure the motions are uh are are cleaner so your body doesn't have to work as hard and and things like that so kind of like taking off some of the emergency breaks that uh after a year or after years of playing hockey and years of being active and things like that you you obviously everyone has their different things that they're dealing with but trying to really not let those things limit what your body is supposed to do and meant to do right is there any supplements? So I don't know if that answered about what I'd bring with me, but oh uh, no, I mean but, it was but, yeah. it was a stupid yeah. question. I'm just yeah. trying to get a, a, yeah. an idea of like uh, things that you swear by, and that Feldenkrais method that you keep mentioning. I I don't know how to spell yeah. it. But I'm going to find it, and uh, I'm curious to to see exactly what that's all about. Yeah, t- take a peek at some of that later. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What about supplements or products? Like, do you do you swear by like are you, are you taking creatine? Are you using foam rollers? Are there any like supplements or products that you swear by? Yeah. I mean, I've tried a bunch of different things over, uh, over my career with that. So, um, I'm trying to think stuff that I like. Um, I have a PEMF machine here that I think is pretty good. I like that for, uh, just helps like with different, uh, circulation sort of, sort of stuff. PMF um, machine? And I think it, I think it, yeah, PEMF, uh, PEMF. pulse electromagnetic gotcha. fields, yep. I think it stands for, but I like that one. That one's, that's one I use pretty consistently. I like, I like the Normatex. Um, and then as far as like supplements and stuff, like I've gotten into some, uh, functional medicine type stuff. So it's very same sort of thing with how I treat my training. It's like, I don't think there's a one size fits all, um, approach necessarily for anyone. So you do different, uh, um, tests, whether it's blood tests, saliva test, hair sample, um, stool test, uh, urine test, and you kind of find all these different things out about your body. And then you, they come up with a very customized uh, approach to, to try to optimize, uh, these sorts of things. And I think ultimately, again, it comes down to that, uh, your, your gut health and that driving a lot of things. So trying to, to eat as clean as you can. Um, and for me with that stuff, sometimes that some days are harder than others uh, for that, because again, I think you still want to enjoy yourself. So like being from Jersey, I, I can't resist uh, a nice slice of, uh, of a good local pizza that, that you can find at a, at a ton of different places, uh, up and down the state and into New York and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, so I'm still a sucker for that, but, uh, yeah, dude, just trying to find that, uh, with, with some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're reaching the end here. I got two last questions for you. Uh, is there a book or documentary that you find yourself recommending a lot? Yes. So documentary, um, it will, I don't know if it's necessarily a documentary, but it's called, uh, I think it's called in search of greatness. 
And it, uh, it's got some of uh, Wayne Gretzky on there, Jerry Rice, and um, I'm trying to think who else. And they kind of look at like the different things that made them good because it's like if you look at they, – they were talking about these different things. Well, if you look at like Wayne Gretzky off the ice, it's like, okay, like that like, doesn't look anything special, but it's like the things that he was so good at, like how did he become so good at them? So he kind of talks through his journey of uh, – um, of how he kind of developed as a player and, and evolved and same sort of thing. He played a lot of different sports and, um, uh, growing up and, uh, the, the different things that kind of, he did to, to track the game and learn the game were, were some pretty interesting things. And then, uh, again, Jerry Rice got into his sort of thing and, and Pele, I think was on there too, but, uh, that was one that was, uh, one of the best ones I've seen in a while. So I definitely, uh, um, recommend that. Nice. I'll check that out. Uh, and then lastly, if you could go back to the night before you got drafted, share some wisdom to yourself or give yourself some advice, what would you say? Wow. Um, it's, this one might be the one piece of cliched thing that, that uh, I will say has been true that I've been told over the years is that enjoy it because it goes by fast because here we are 14 years later, I played 12 years and it's gone by in, in the blink of an eye. So I would say just, uh, Again, I, I can be, uh, I don't know, a little serious and maybe a little stiff at times. So I think, uh, like I mentioned, that balance is great. And I've had some, some great teammates uh, over the years that, um, that kind of help you, you balance that out and not take yourself so seriously all the time. So I've been lucky in that sense. But I would say, yeah, that's a, that's a good thing. And I, like you mentioned, that's important um, as far as uh, developing some of that uh, – that bond with your teammates and that chemistry with your teammates is uh, enjoying each other's company and doing all these different things. I mean, we're lucky to get to do what we do and we have a lot of fun. Obviously, again, we, we work very hard and we all really care about what we do, but um, we also have a lot of fun along the way. So I think just really enjoying uh, those moments and chances to, to have fun uh, with your teammates. And um, yeah, the, that balance, I think like it, it comes down to that with everything in life. I feel like is just finding that balance of, um, enjoying enjoying things and and not taking yourself so seriously all the time yeah solid james man thank you so much man i really yeah. appreciate you taking the time and uh yeah no worries yeah. no worries yeah. that was great yeah i know when dave all told right, me cool. he was he's boys with you I've, I've always been rooting for you so i'll continue to do so i'm excited to see you next season yeah cool, all bud. right unreal i appreciate it cool we'll have to connect soon yeah all righty all right thanks bud take it easy you too bye see you bye